Welcome, everybody, once again to the Irish NFL Show. Uh, I'm Mark Cockrell, your host this evening, and I'm joined, as always, by my comrades here, uh, Colin Beelzebub Cronin and Brian Lucifer O'Leary. Gentle fiends, how are you doing? Very well. Uh, we are in uh, Mina Nullog, so gluttony is allowed all month. And uh, I think we are in for a veritable feast of football this weekend. I think there are a couple of really interesting matchups. And I think potentially at least one, if not two, contenders for game of the year. Mark, I'm getting very excited with all these new names. You're coming up for me and Colin. Uh, I got one on our uh, preview of this evening's game, the Bills and Patriots on the podcast earlier this morning um, I didn't get an opportunity to jot that one down but um, I'll have to keep a list of these new names look Colin's right this weekend in particular um, the, the, the 9 o'clock slate we've, we've had so many weekends where so much excitement in the 6 o'clock slate the 9 o'clock don't, don't necessarily live up to what we've seen in the earlier in, in particular the witching hour this Sunday Dolphins the 49ers Chiefs Bengals and I'd even throw Raiders Chargers in there that's got the makings of a really exciting game so yeah, let's let's get to it. There's, there's a lot of good games to get you. And I'll, I'll, Brian, I'll throw in the Jets and Vikings as one as well. Yes, you yeah. can't overlook and everything. So I'm with you both. It's a feast ahead, as you say. Um, we were talking earlier about the Thursday night football matchup between the Patriots and the Bills. That review uh, is on podcast at the moment. So if anybody wants to catch that, you'll find that up on all good podcast locations, including our links in our show site. Um, the other thing to mention, of course, is we are, as always, brought to you in association with our partners at Cassidy Travel. I greatly appreciate their continued support. And to everyone listening and watching this evening, um, I, you know, I want to channel a bit of Ellie Goulding. And she was singing, love me like you do. This isn't an encouragement to SM, but show us love. Make some comments. Give us some questions. Uh, feel free to interact and throw anything out there. And we will address any comments or queries you want to put uh, to us through the night on the show here live this evening, as the good old Bill O'Hurley he used to say. Um, guys, plenty of games to talk about. As you said, we're going to start with a bit of dross. There is, you know, there are some poorer games in this as well. Um, although I reckon this one will still be entertaining. The five and seven Steelers are seeking their first winning streak of the season, having not put together two wins yet at all this season. They are going to the five and seven Falcons, who we've all acknowledged, even with their record, have been a surprising package with an efficient offense put out by Arthur Smith and certainly a better performance than the number one or number two pick in the draft that people were predicting prior to the start of the season. In fact, they're only half a game out of the lead of the NFC South, and so they can still have meaningful playoff ambitions this season. Colin, I'll hand it over to you first. Break down this game for us. Tell us what you're looking forward to seeing in it. Yeah, this is... Um, I think it, it will be a, a battle between the, the two coaches, I imagine. Two coaches who have at times this season leaned into their man management. Obviously, Arthur Smith are earlier in the year. We saw him with the Kyle Pitts fantasy football comments. We saw him with the comments around everyone dismissing them. And look, we all know about Magical Mike Tomlin's uh, ability to motivate. Um, the reality is for the Steelers, the offense has just been 
abysmal. Um, they have uh, a seven passing touchdowns um, th- this year season. That's a, a, a low around the league. And they've given up 23, which is one off an NFL high. Um, they are, though, going up against a Falcons team that struggled through the uh, the air themselves. But the, the Falcons' strength is on the, the ground, um, which is, in fairness, what the Steelers have been pretty robust against the, the run overall. They're sixth in the, the league. Um, but going up against a Falcon side who uh, with Patterson um, and the kind of he he's the lead back, but they have a couple of others there. Um, for, for me, I, I really think this is kind of one of those games where you can make a case for both. But I'm going to say the fact that the Falcons are at home. They're four and two at home. They beat the 49ers at home. Um, despite the fact that both of these offenses are struggling, I think the Falcons can score enough so that the, the Steelers won't be able to, to win it. I'm going to go with the, the Falcons in this one. I wish the Steelers had started Kenny Pickett sooner. I really do. Like we spoke about it in the offseason. Um, we spoke about it on Monday night, you know, leading into this game, the preview, Mark was right in terms of picking the Steelers. It was, I suppose it was very evident, Mike Tomlin over Jeff Sartley and the years of experience with lend the hand for winning that game. But um, he came into the team against the Jets. He struggled, they lost out late, then he played in Buffalo. And then he seems to have got a little bit of his kind of confidence together. He played reasonably well again last Monday night. Um, Ty was quite impressed when Tomlin came out after the game and said he's now comfortable with the offense, he's audible situations, he's comfortable with him changing the plays. Whereas earlier on when he was playing, it was essentially whatever plays called on the sideline, that's what you run with. Um, I thought he played well against the Bengals and it, it just got to a fourth quarter a couple of weeks ago where the Bengals essentially are a much better side with better players and they, they pushed on and won the game. And the Falcons' defence this season has struggled. It's just such a top and turvy season for them. They play really well on offence, defence lets them down. When defence steps up in games, then the offence lets them down. Like the game, for example, last Sunday where they're in the red zone with essentially the game there for the taking and they find a way to, to implode and lose the game, which has happened time and time again. It was only a couple of weeks ago, Colin was taught me how they imploded and gave the game away against the Chargers at home. And yeah, you're right, Steelers haven't won two games this season and they haven't won any games where they've scored less than 20 points. I think 23 points seems to be the magical number for them. To get to that, they're in a position to potentially win games. And I'm surprised I'm changing my tune on this because I have been quite down on the Steelers all season. But I think five and seven, two teams that are on the periphery potentially of making a late run, probably not going to make either of them get to the playoffs but I'm going to excite the Steelers I think the experience of Mike Tomlin will find a way and it'll come down to potentially to a field goal and I trust that team more right now than I do the Falcons Yeah at the moment the Steelers are staring down the barrel of a gun of their first losing season since 2003 under Bill Cower um, we've talked about it before Mike Tomlin has never experienced that but he's going to have to pull off some miracles to avoid that being shattered this year Um Brian, you rightly called out the Falcons are coming off a very disappointing game against the Commanders where they not only threw it away with the opportunity, deflected pass being intercepted, but even with the potential of getting the ball back, ran into the punter with 30-odd seconds to go. So again, you know, it would have been less likely, let's be fair, but sloppy play um, leading to a defeat against the suddenly hot Washington Commanders in that regard. Um, the Steelers did do me proud when I picked them to take on the Colts this week. 
And perhaps I was getting a little bit anxious when I said at the start they're five and seven. They're four and seven, but I was just tipping my hand because by the end of this game, I think they're going to go to five and seven. The worries about their offense are absolutely justified. But interestingly for me, that defense has stepped up and tightened up. They obviously started the season with a bang against the Bengals. But it's not just all about TJ Watt anymore. Uh, name for everybody to watch out to for, if you haven't been already, is on the other end with Alex Highsmith already at 10 sacks for the year. So they have the peripheral, the peripheral bookends, as you are always looking for. So I'm... Despite the surprise around the Falcons, despite they are at home, I am equally going to go to the Steelers and have some confidence, have heart, my dear, uh, as uh, as the song goes, uh, that they will start to bounce back. So we're we're two one on that one, um, and therefore, unless a draw, one of you know some of us on the show are going to be right. That's good. To move swiftly on, we'll go on to. I said there's some dross to get through first, Carlum. I'm sorry. The three and eight Broncos are playing. I'm just sorry they're playing. No, I'm not. I'm teasing. The three and eight Broncos are going to the seven and four Ravens. And uh, the Ravens obviously dropped a game last week. They didn't expect to. It uh, was a bit of a surprise. Um, but there's a lot of stories obviously circling around this Broncos team. And it's not, of course, the season that anyone predicted beforehand. Uh, no, to that, to put it mildly, I was doing some research uh, in, to, for this and came across a stat that the Broncos haven't scored more than 10 points in any quarter this season. Um, that is very, very bleak, considering that the Kansas City Chiefs managed 14 in the very first quarter uh, of the, uh, the season against the Cardinals and then went in and scored 14 again in the third quarter. Um, so that's what they we're up against in the uh, division. Um, but but um, the the Chiefs joined the Broncos in having a terrible record out east. Um, the the Chiefs actually have uh, the worst record in the AFC West total. Like this is going all the way back. The Chargers are the one team who can actually win in, in the East once it goes to Eastern Standard Time. The, the Broncos, the the Chiefs, and the Raiders all seem to to struggle, and unfortunately, that is something that is likely to continue this week lots of speculation around russell wilson um some very silly stuff uh some uh worrying stuff um the the broncos um it, it's a mess and i don't know how they go about uh fixing it uh it, for me i have said that i think the what I would have liked, like the back end of the season, I, I really wanted to see the Broncos score more than 20 points, average more than that. I didn't think that was too big an ask. Evidently, it is. Um, and the concern for the Broncos is that um, with the Jets sitting where they are, the Jets need two more wins to end their losing season drought. The Broncos could hold the um, longest uh, losing season drought in the NFL come at the end of the season. I, I think undoubtedly that, look, the defense will um, be, they'll, they'll keep it tight, I believe, because they have been interesting. And we'll talk a little bit later. They've, I mean, look at what they were able to do to Derrick Henry. That kind of 
that was a blueprint for the Bengals. So the, the defense have certainly held up their end of the bargain. Um, but Baltimore's defense have just been so good uh, in terms of getting to the QB. The Broncos O-line has not been good. I am going to say that, unfortunately, um, my Broncos are in for a long afternoon in Baltimore, the Ravens, to win this one. Yeah, Connors covered the Broncos, so I'll flip it to the Ravens. And, and the Ravens are so, such a Jekyll and Hyde side. Like last week's game against the Jags kind of sums up the season. A nine-point lead in the fourth quarter. They, they give it a fumble away, a fumble interception, whatever way you want to call it these days in terms of the, what we've seen over the course of the season. That's the fourth time this season they've had a really expansive league leading into the fourth. Um, nine points, the three games, they were 10-point plus. And still find ways to turn the ball over, bring teams back into the game, and essentially lose, lose the game. And then even then at the end, after they, they went behind, they still found a way to drive down, put themselves in the position to win the game. And I thought at that stage it was bad clock management. They could have looked, they could have run the ball, put themselves in the position to kick a winning field goal, but they took the touchdown. But this is what we've seen from this Ravens team throughout the course of the season, that they found ways to win. And it's not just on the road. We've seen it at home against uh, Buffalo. We've seen it against the Dolphins. So I can see a, a, I can see a scenario where it could be a lot closer than, than we think you know we saw two weeks ago when Carolina went in there I was quite surprised I thought they would really put a number and put a, a marker down in that game they didn't it took until six minutes to go in the fourth quarter from to put that game away I can see similarities here because the Broncos defense the one thing you can say when the season is over you look back the defense is a really top defense and it's done their utmost this season to put the team in position to win games which is probably evident in the frustration we saw last week and I don't I can't recall which player but obviously getting in in the face of Russell Wilson was which is not good to see um, this again last week the Ravens had three red zone opportunities in the first half they took field goals this is the type of thing if the Broncos can bend and don't break keep keeping the game they could put themselves in a position come to fourth to potentially win the game but I still think even if that's the case in the fourth quarter the Ravens will, will find a way to pull away and win this game I don't think it'll be the, the best of games but I still side with the Ravens to win Brian you're absolutely right the Broncos defence has been superb I mean, one of the best defenses in the NFL. I mean, approaching some historic quality in, in relation to the whole thing. And they've utterly and completely wasted it. I mean, if anything, and I appreciate that, the, you know, there's a lot of noise about that little blob. I said it earlier in the um, uh, last week when I'm on the show. Um, sorry, earlier in the week, Monday night it was, that that happens from time to time. I don't read too much into it, but of course it's public. Everybody speculates on it and talks more about it and everything. But Frankly, some of what the uh, offense has done to that Denver defense, they should be put in Azkaban for the crimes against humanity for it. Um, it's definitely not crimes against defense of the dark arts, just crimes against defense generally. Um, on the flip side, you caught it out really well. Like the, the Ravens, I mean, talk about Jekyll and Hyde, those leads that they have thrown away. If it wasn't for how bad the Raiders have been with a lead, sorry, black hole fans, but the reality is they've been almost uh historically as bad at it it started with that week two game against the dolphins throwing away that uh, that 17 point lead in the fourth quarter and it doesn't feel like any lead is safe and in many respects of course it does seem like the Ray, uh, the ravens are odds on to get to the playoffs but it feels a little bit like last season it feels a little bit like other seasons of course last season they had a big injury bug lost the last four games kind of kept them out of the playoffs but in other years they've got to the playoffs People then have contained or got a good game plan against Lamar Jackson and they've been one and done or they've been knocked out of the playoffs. They've never made the AFC Championships, the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowls. You would think the team with this talent and the performance during the regular season deserves. 
And you look at the stats, you look at everything. Lamar is still leading everything. He's nearly double um, Kenyon Drake's rushing yardage. They are relying upon him so much in the rushing game as well as with his arm. And he's not doing bad with his arm, 17 TDs, seven interceptions. He can hit his targets. But who's the targets? That's right. Mark Andrews, yet again, is the leading receiver for the Ravens. Um, and it feels like we've played this song many, many times before. They're not going to be defined by this weekend. I equally have the Ravens uh, to, to win this game. I, I don't think you can trust, really, the Broncos' offense in, in respect to things. And the Raiders, they were on a four-game winning streak before last week's unfortunate uh, and surprise loss to the Jaguars. So they'll be looking to bounce back quickly. But as with all the teams that consider themselves contenders, pretenders, or possible um, entertainers, um, it's all about January and it'll be all about February uh, for these types of teams. And that's the bit where we start to see really the money-making doing their shaking. Um, speaking of the Jags, we will move. So, sorry, we're unanimous on the Ravens, I think. I just want to check. Yeah, that's all right. Hey, there you go. If you're looking for Hope Broncos fans, the unanimous Irish NFL show curse has duly been appointed. Um, Decky is trying to wind up column, I think, with Let's Ride. I, I think we'll move swiftly on before flagging that any further. Um, I did just briefly mention the Jags, and if ever two teams could be on four and seven with a degree of optimism, the Jags at four and seven. I'm starting to see some Jags fans mentioning we've got to play the Titans twice, we could flip this division if we win both of those games. Um, and the Lions on four and seven, which Again, it, sometimes it feels like a full storm, but it does feel like they're motoring in the right direction. They've obviously had a couple of standout uh, performances and results this year, and very unfortunate on Thanksgiving against the Bills last week. Um, Colm, Jags at Lions, this should be like entertaining, if nothing else. Like, this would be a good game to watch. It should be. I mean, they... This is, I suppose, last uh, week, particularly, obviously, in the, the fourth quarter, Trevor Lawrence was magic. And this is, he has definitely been ascending, I think, in the, the past three games. We're still yet to see him put it together over the entirety of a game. I mean, that's what you wanted. He could put what he did in the fourth quarter together um, for four quarters. Uh, good luck to the rest of the, the league. He, he has shown flashes of it, and he's shown more over the, the past few weeks. Again, you had Jags players talking last week about what it was like under uh, Urban Meyer, though um, the college crowds last Saturday were chanting Urban's uh, name. And so he he's definitely uh, in demand uh, in that uh, side of things. The for for the Lions, it's been a case of you know the kind of um, two steps forward and, and three steps back. In in some ways, um, they have been very good um, at times, particularly on the ground. Um, but they have their defense just ha you know in in stark contrast to to the Broncos, their offense has lived up to its end of the bargain. Um, but their, their defense has not. Um, this is, is certainly a game where, you know, you're looking at the Jags um, in their past 22 road games. They are 1-21. and 21. And the Lions in their past uh, 11 non-conference games are 0-10-1. So somebody's got to uh, get the, the fifth victory of the, the season. 
And I'm going to, to say it looks like Travis Etienne will be fit enough to, to play. I think with Lawrence and Etienne and with Doug Peterson, you know, really beginning to kind of show his worth that they will get the, the win over the Lions. I It's another one where if the Lions were to to win it would i be shocked absolutely not 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 in any way shape or form i do think it'll be um, an offensive battle between these two teams i um am probably jealous of both teams ability to score points to be honest but yeah i'm gonna say that the the jags get the victory on sunday and move to five and seven on uh, the year and yeah i i get i get why those uh you know irish jags uh, and others are dreaming of you know what might be that's what this league is all about it's about the hope it's about what is and it's about the who knows i think a lot of that plays into the fact if you look at some of the jags games this season which they have lost they've lost they've been they've been in a lot of games a lot of lost a lot of games in which they could have won i mean the game in, in london you know we still i still reflect on columns at the time you know if if they put that touchdown in and going 40 and nil you know the game essentially changes dramatically and it was a bad play call and then they played against the Giants and they were not, they had an opportunity to win the game late. Some uh, the game week one against Washington, they were in a position to win that game. They've just they've had so many near misses in games. So you know, last week was very much a game where people saw, here we go again. The Jags are here, but they won't get it over the line. They did last week. Doug Peterson, myself and Mark spoke about it on the show Monday night. But in terms of percentages of head coach throughout the course of his career, who goes for two point conversions, he's he's up there with in terms of top numbers. So it didn't come as a surprise that they went. For the win, if it had went another way, there would have been a lot of criticism this week. Dan Campbell has had a bit of criticism this week, despite the great performance on Thanksgiving and how, how close they ran. They ran the um, they ran the Bills close. It was the play, it was the play calling and how he managed the clock in the last two minutes of the first half and how he managed the game at the end, essentially giving the Bills numerous opportunities to go and score on both sides of the of the clock. Um, it was a ten point swing before half time and then at the at the end, leaving them in the position to score. I was looking at the numbers today, Lawrence and Goff, you know, bearing in mind where they are in their careers, Goff has had a lot of criticism, 2,682 yards versus 2,655, 16 touchdowns to 17, six picks against seven picks, I won't even tell you which one is which because it just goes to say, show how close they are in terms of the season. Um, I expect this to be a high scoring game, like I think like everybody does, it come, I think it'll come down to who has the ball last, it could be a field goal game, 30-27 type of game, and as well as Travis Etienne has played, I think, this one-two punch in which we're seeing from the Lions with Williams, with Swift, who came back from injury last week and played reasonably well. I think that will be enough for the Lions to win this game and get over the hump of last week's defeat. And if they had won last week, it would have been four in a row, so they have to go again. I think they'll be in a position to win this game come the end. Lions for me. Yeah, for anyone wondering why we're all thinking it's going to be high scoring, if you go by yards, these are two top 10 offenses. And then when you flip the side on the yards allowed to the defense, you're talking about 24th and 32nd in the league. So two offenses that will get you yards and get down the field against two defenses that can't stop you in a wet paper bag. Um it was actually interesting. I saw a great stat during the week about the Lions and explosive plays. And, and Brian, you'll recall I called this out about the Giants earlier in the season. They were getting plenty of 20-plus yard runs from Saquon Barkley, but not many 20-plus re re receptions. They weren't very effective in the downfield passing game. Um, the Lions have actually three different players who've recorded a rush, a rush for more than 50 yards, William Swift and actually Amon Raz and Brown as well. 
But the only player that had a 50-yard-plus reception was TJ Hawkinson, who's obviously now on the Vikings. Um, and then you think, well, why haven't they had a downfield passing? Oh, yeah, that's right, because Jared Goff is their quarterback. And it all starts to become a little bit clearer again. Um, that being said, I am worried about the Jags. I'm worried about Travis Etienne. They say his day-to-day should play, but you know, a lot of their offense is going through him. And not only the away record uh, column, their remarkable failure rate against NFC teams. They have not won in 19 games against NFC teams, um, as well as part of their historic stats of uh, poor performance. I genuinely, and I know I sometimes say this, but I would not be surprised by any outcome in this game. If you told me it was the Lions in a close one, the Jags in a close one, the Lions in a blowout, the Jags in a blowout, I think every possibility... Um, is open, and I have generally flip-flopped on this game a few times. I will go with Trevor Lawrence over Jared Goff, but yeah, if you ask me at 5.59 on Sunday, I might change my mind just yet once again. But I'll go with you, Colm. Two on the Jags. Brian is on the Lions. But as the uh, as the baker said to the vicar let's get to the good stuff um the new york jets at 7 and 4 in a playoff spot um fighting and vying obviously with a couple of good results to get back up only one game behind the bills and the dolphins for the nfc uh, afc east against the minnesota vikings at 9 and 2 column only saw last week beat the patriots on thanksgiving uh live and in person who are of course on the second seed at the moment, potentially challenging the Eagles for the first seed in the NFC overall. I have this nagging doubt about those two losses being blowouts by the Cowboys and the Eagles themselves. Colin, first of all, mouth-watering should be a good game, especially with uh, uh, lightning-fast Iron Mike White now um, sitting in position as the Jets quarterback. Yeah, if people haven't uh, seen the the memes that are out there, and I don't know who was first, but there was a great one of uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and it had uh, the Mike White era versus 1pm Kirk Cousins. Um, and uh, could, could that be the case? But then we saw Mike White last year have incredible games, but over the long stretch revert to, to form. Uh, Kirk uh, has a much longer history of uh, success, particularly, obviously, in the early window slot, though he managed to to do it uh, in the late game on, on Thanksgiving. Yeah, the, the two losses would be concerning, uh, certainly, though if they are 8-0 in one-score games. So if it is close, um, the Vikings can find a way to, to win. And... Um, I think I mentioned it on the um, when I was on briefly um, previously. The uh, not that not that I'm, ba- I'm tipping them to to win the Super Bowl, but the Tampa Bay Bucks in their Super Bowl winning season just a couple of years ago had a thirty point loss on on that uh, schedule. So all things are possible. This is, and, and in fairness to the Vikings, the other thing about it is that the NFL's top four defenses in DVOA, the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Bills, and the Jets. And thus far, the, the Vikings played those in a four-game stretch, back to back to back. Of the three thus far, they are two and one. 
So they've done pretty pretty well, and it's going to be probably a test of maybe them and of Kevin O'Connell's, um, you know, race for the coach of the year and maybe Justin Jefferson for offensive player of the year. If they get the win against the, the Jets and they go three and one against those defenses, you would have to be seriously impressed by that. Uh, Jefferson is unbelievable. Um, we had, had the good fortune to see him twice uh, now. I, I have this year in person and he is everything that you want and more. Um, also, he was the uh, last player introduced to the field on that Thanksgiving uh, game, uh, an honor usually reserved for the QB, but the place went crazy when he came out and you can understand why he's everything you want and more he uh, we heard o'connell talk about him becoming more of a leader and he was the one excuse me on the sidelines who was leading the skull chance right at the end um it, it, that that's what you want and the, the the other thing about it is he's so good he gets all the attention adam thielen is ridiculous adam thielen is i believe sixth um I, I was trying to look this up earlier on and i believe adam thielen is uh he over the last four years in terms of receiving touchdowns devonta adams mike evans travis kelsey Diggs, hill cup then thielen that is incredible company to be keeping and when you have those two guys and you mentioned earlier uh, Hawkinson I um, mark in terms of what he did for the Lions I think he's been a great trade uh, he certainly has the look of a Viking and he seems to have fit in very well uh, into those surroundings I think this could be a really good game. Um, I think you're going to see Jefferson going up against Sauce Gardner. That should be fun to watch all afternoon. I'm going to say that home advantage um, will just see the Vikings edge it. But again, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets if the Jets were to go and get the win in Minnesota and move to 8-4. and four. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think they that what Robert Sala has done there and the cojones he showed to drop um, the number two overall pick shows what he is made of. And I think that the, the respect that the players have for him, I really think this will be a fantastic matchup. I'm going to go with the Vikings to edge it. Mark, just remember on 1st of December, if the Vikings do make it to the Super Bowl, Colin will be reflecting on that night in which he said, I told us about that time that team gave away 30 points in one game and still went to the Super Bowl. I was looking at this Jets defence, um, Sauce Gardner, yeah, you're right, he's had a fantastic season and this will probably be the sternest test in which he's come up against this season. For arguably, he is the best wide receiver in the league, without a doubt. They're fifth ranked in the league. I mean, they haven't given up a touchdown. Well, they gave up one against the Bears last week on the opening drive and then essentially then shut the Bears down. Now, in fairness, the Bears didn't have Justin Fields and they were playing with Trey. Brian, have we lost you? I'm back. I'm back. You're back. You're back. Good man. Yeah. I think I think the system got got confused. He thought I was picking the Jets there for a second and didn't know what to make of it. Um, no, I was just making the point that they shut the Bears down very early on in the game last week. And the previous week was all around that uh, punt at the end in which they conceded on the special teams against the Patriots. But they still held the Patriots 
you know, to a field goal throughout the course of the game and they had critical plays at, at big moments in the game and it looked like the Patriots potentially could score touchdowns. We saw a couple of weeks ago the Vikings were essentially shut down by the Cowboys, who are one of the strongest defences in the league. And I would put them in there with this Jets defence and that's why I'm I'm seeing so many reasons as to why I should pick the Jets. But again, Colin was called on it earlier on. And there was, in fairness, when Mike Boyd played last year, there was three games. There was the Bengals game where he played really well. There was the Colts game away where he got injured. And they rushed him back and played him against the Bills in the four interceptions. So again, you have to argue whether he should have even played in that game. But I can't see a situation where Mike White can play that well two weeks in a row. And do I think he's a long-term answer for him? Probably, potentially he could be, and I think he certainly is for the next for the range of the season. But to go in and play at that level two weeks in a row against a, a strong Vikings team, which has had their flaws in defense, let's be fair, they have. Even last week, Mac Jones had a really strong game against them. And the Patriots went up and down the field for large parts. And as we said on today's podcast, the Hunter Henry touchdown, we've seen them given, we've seen them go against teams. Um, I'll go Vikings, I think it'll be a really close game. But um, again, I'm, kind of, I'm leaning on the home field side of things and Jefferson finding ways to get himself in the game and get players. And maybe Dalvin Cook will be the one that you know, comes out on Sunday and is the game winner for them if Sauce Garden has a strong game against Jefferson. They need to find another way of winning the game. Ali and Vikings, not comfortable about the pick though. I, I always remember the great uh, Dr. Z, Paul Zimmerman, Zimmerman, sorry, I meant to say, of uh, Sports Illustrated, would love and always rank offensive lines at the end of the season. And he kind of gave special awards or writing awards to the uh, the offensive line. And he, I think it was him who first said the statement about the NFL is actually a weird sport, or American football generally is a strange sport. It's one of the rarest ones where actually 90% of the action takes place away from the ball. And if you think about it and you think about opening up the coaches' film the next day and everything, it's actually, well, how was the O-line blocking? How were the people getting open? What was the root combination of the wide receivers in order to get people free? Were they playing man? Were they playing zone, you know, and defense? So, yes, you see the snap and obviously the cameraman follows the ball. But in fact, some of the most fascinating aspects of the game can be all of the stuff that happens with the people that aren't actually even touching the ball. This weekend, that match up the two of you calling out, between um, Jefferson and Source Gardner would be worth the price of admission alone. Um, it's only a few weeks ago Jefferson did burn Pat Satane, who I rank in similar category, an amazing cover corner, and he burns him a few times. Um, that's the quality that Justin Jefferson is bringing to town in relation to it. You can be sure that Salah will mix coverages. He may not obviously leave... Um, Source Gardner on an island against him. He may take a leaf from the old Bill Belichick playbook, which is you put Source Gardner then on their number two and you double bracket. You put him on Adam Thielen, for example, and you um, double cover and bracket uh, Jefferson all game long to try to limit his impact. But how the defense, as good as the Jets has been this year, I think their fifth overall matches up and potentially tries to lock down those wide receivers and in turn tries to lock down that Vikings offense to me, is going to be the narrative and the story of this game. And, yeah, whatever the guy, the fly boy who gets all the girls and gets all the money with the ball in his hand that tries to throw it does, it's actually what those guys do, especially those two key wide receivers, which are going to be so key. Um, it's difficult in one sense to get behind Mike White striking lightning again. He obviously had a couple of big games at the end of last season, but he had one absolute stinker as well so you can't get too carried away in relation to it and i know in fairness jets fans aren't 
getting too carried away, but they are giddy and excited, obviously, of being three games above 500. Um, but with that defense, with the Vikings' inconsistency in big games so thus far, I mean, with those remarkable two losses, even though they're nine and two, they I think they're 28, 23.8 points on average scored and 23.4 points on average conceded. That's a rather interesting point differential, to say the least. Um, and they're at home, and everything reads the right way, and Justin Jefferson's amazing. But no, I think what Robert Saller and the New York Jets are doing is something special this year. Um, and even though, if I go back only the last couple of weeks, the Jets lost to the Patriots, then the Patriots probably lost to Minnesota. I still think on balance, on this day in particular, the New York Jets are going to find a way, are going to get the win, and are going to continue their march uh, towards a playoff spot and indeed keeping pressure on for the division win overall. So with that being two and one, and we're talking about interesting divisions, we mentioned a few times about the AFC East, and we just come from there. The NFC East, however, Brian, is absolutely fascinating. And the Washington Commanders will go into town to the New York Giants. The Commanders sitting at 7-5, the Giants sitting at 7-4. They will meet up uh, twice in about three weeks, I think it is. It's going to be very soon. And in fact, if I'm right, the Commanders play the Giants, have a bye, then play the Giants again. So they'll be thinking about the New York for three weeks in a row, if I remember that correctly. But, but Brian, maybe I'll throw this to you first, because I know you, you love and monitor everything to do with the NFC East, especially to do with Big Blue. Yeah, that's a quirky little uh, piece in the schedule, America. I, I can honestly say that's not gone down well with most Giants fans and ours have gone down well with the Giants media, that the commanders essentially get to prepare for the Giants for three weeks, for two games. But like this is this is playing football now, let's be fair. Like I know we're not military December, but like um the you know, you see all the teams around who if the if season ended today, who'd be in the playoffs right now, every NFC East team would be in the playoffs and then they've kind of whittled it down based on the records essentially saying now it's a three horse race for two wildcard spots, that being the Giants commanders and the Seahawks. So this is a massive game. If the Giants were to win this game and put two game a gap between them and the commanders, but again, essentially another game against them in two weeks, it would be significant. And bearing in mind where the Vikings and the Eagles are, and they have to play them later on in the season, with a coast game thrown in, you know, they could be, you know, at a stage where they, there's nothing to play for, and they, it could actually play to the Giants' advantage for the Vikings to continue winning, and for a similar situation with Philadelphia in terms of wrapping up the number one seed. For this game, I've been quite nervous. I've been quite high in the commanders for quite some time, and if you, in fairness, like over the course of the last five weeks when we've been previewing them games, I've been picking them. I picked them against the Vikings. They're, they're only defeat in seven games. Since that game in, in Chicago when Ron Rivera came out and did that very bold press conference and he was slating people, questioning him and questioning his team and questioning Carson Wentz, they've rallied. And it just shows again what a great coach he is in the league and the kind of coach players will want to play for. I thought they got away with one last week. You know, Mario had a lot of time in the, in the pocket. He didn't really deliver in order, better quarterbacks would have taken advantage. And the game was there for the Falcons. They didn't play well last week. Tyler Heineke probably had one of his worst games since he stepped in as quarterback. And the Giants last week had a difficult game in Dallas. Like they've had 10 days to rest. I'm thinking that's an advantage to the Giants. And I'm looking at the injury report where the Giants were decimated on Thanksgiving in terms of what players. It was players playing in that game who hadn't played a snap all season. And they've since been released or essentially brought in off the street to play one game. That's how bad things were. They've got 14 players back of injury. Um, it's huge. Bellinger, tight end, Evan Neal, offensive line, Ujilari's going to finally play. 
Thibodeau is starting to kind of come on. He can get the sacks, and maybe this is the weekend that it happens because their offensive line isn't great. Um, and if it wasn't for Heineken in terms of getting outside the perimeter at times, he would be sacked too. Look, their defensive line is quite strong as well, so the Giants' offensive line is going to have a real game on their hands. Barkley hasn't played well for quite a few weeks. He's, his numbers of his snap count has come down. His yards obviously have reflected that. I'm not sure what it's a case of. There's been so much put on him that in terms of the longevity of a season is already catching up. I looked at the stats today. 19.4 on offense in terms of points against 20.5. Defense, 19.7 against 21. It's so close to call. And it's reflective in the odds. Like It's one and a half points on the spread. I'm going to say my Giants win, but I'm not comfortable with the pick. I think they edge it out because they've had 10 days to rest up, focus on this game. And right now, Brian Dable needs this victory. I would imagine more so than Rivera because there's still, there's still games there for Washington to make the playoffs, but the Giants really need this one to stop the, the slide. Giants for me. Brian Dable, almost everything he has touched since he went to New York has turned to, to gold. He is uh, truly King Midas. The only fly in the ointment might be the NFC East. They're 0-2 this year, and 0-5 uh, in their past five divisional games. And uh, that is uh, an issue for the Giants and, and one they need to correct if they are to, to make the, the playoffs. I, I mean, yeah, Brian rightly um, kind of has gone through Washington and uh, Ron Rivera. And, like, what the this is where sometimes stats don't make sense because you look at Taylor Heineke, and statistically, he is not an impressive QB. But undoubtedly, Washington are a better side with him. Um, they, they perform. Now, when he comes on, if you get him under pressure, I that's where I think it can um, really co come apart, and that will be interesting to see if the, the Giants can do that. Um, but he does. He, keep, he keeps going and going and going. Um, the... Uh, I I don't know if Washington will act will play Chase Young. I doubt it, given the the turf, and I don't think they will want to to do that. Um, but overall, their defensive uh, front has been really really impressive, and they have held uh, teams to um, fifteen point four uh, points per game. Is what I uh, was was reading. I think this is uh, like divisional matchups are always like kind of epic battles. Um, it, it'll be fought in the the trenches, and um, I, I I think it's it's an absolute toss up. Um, I, I think that ultimately, the if this if this game was four weeks ago and Saquon was was doing what he had been doing I'd probably favor the Giants I really think this is a, a field goal at, at most type game I'm gonna go um with the commanders just because the form that they're in but again I really think this is an absolute coin toss game I, I saw a description of this game saying that the Giants and commanders were playing in a rare meaningful December game um, which was harsh but true, in fairness. And it is very meaningful for both of them, uh, as we alluded to, as things currently stand. They're both in the playoffs, Brian, I want to say. I think the three NFC uh, playoff spots yeah. are all yeah. occupied by the NFC East teams. Um, and I think we talked a little bit on Monday about the historical scenarios when there have been four teams from a division go to the playoffs, when there used to be 
only three divisions and five teams in them, for example, prior to expansion. Um, but a couple of things, you, Brian, you alluded to the fact that the running game slowed down. I think in their three losses recently, the Giants, in the last four games, the Giants have failed to top 90 yards on the ground for a team that's been driven by their running game. That is a concern. And you start to wonder, is it the offensive line isn't bursting the same holes? Is Saquon seeing some wear and tear? I did allude to the fact that when he had to take 35 carries against the Texans, that's where until you would like to be saving him from for more meaningful games. But the reality is they needed him and they needed it to um, finish off the game. And yes, they are getting players back, but I think where they've still got an injury gap is at corner. Um, and that is a bit of a problem because Scary Terry is still playing and still playing very well for the Washington Commanders. So um, it is a a true number one receiver there that they will be matching up with, as well as some interesting threats in the intermediate game, some great speed around the um, Washington uh, receiver court if Heineke gets enough time to get the ball out. But where I think this game is going to spin more than anything is on the other side of the ball and the fact that you've got the uh, accountancy firm of Sweat, Allen and Payne in that D-line even without Chase Young, all of which have at least six and a half sacks each during the season so far. Um, and, you know, Washington's total of 30 is quite nice, but you consider how much that line uh, just is contributing. And you obviously gives Ron Rivera, a defensive coach by nature, a lot of options. And they've come into their own. From starting the season, one and four, they have, of course, won six out of their last seven games, they have real momentum behind them. And um, whilst Brian Dayball has done a great job uh, with the Giants, I'm backing Ron Rivera, who's done an even better job in season to turn around the commanders to move them for one step closer uh, and move to eight and five this weekend. Um, now, this, you know, we sometimes say there are a lot of games here. There's only one or two between teams with winning records, but Colin, you said at the start of the show, like it's a veritable feast this weekend. And the next game we'll talk about is uh, two teams that are top of their respective divisions. The Titans, a seven and four, are going to the NFL leading, not even just their division, not even just the NFC, the NFL leading Philadelphia Eagles with a 10 and one record. Um, I think we might see a rush or two in this game. Just, I've just got a feeling that one, one or two rushes might occur during the course of this game. Yeah, I, I wonder what, what might give, give that away. Uh, the, the fact that the Eagles had their most rushing yards since 1948 uh, in their, their last game, um, that they ran all over the, the Packers. Uh, the, the worry, though, for the Titans is that the Eagles can win in different ways. And you can definitely sound the revenge klaxon in this one because this is the A.J. Brown game. And it will be very interesting to see how this goes because, yeah, obviously the Titans decided, um, you know, to, to to move on and not pay him. Uh, Burks come in and has done quite well uh, after, you know, a, a slow start due to injury. And a lot of talk about him over the summer. He has um, come on. But... Um, and Mike Vrabel has done an incredible job because the Titans, we had discussed it, they were a team who we didn't feel had really strengthened over the summer months, but um, they have done, uh, you know, really, really well under Vrabel. But last weekend against the Bengals, 
they got bullied and that was really unusual and that ultimately uh, cost them the the game they were beaten up on both sides of the the football i i expect that mike Vrabel will um you know get a response i think he's that type of coach i just think that they at the moment and we talked about it a little bit earlier the broncos um with evero and that defense gave the blueprint for how to stop henry and the bengals copied that um over and over and over last week and i imagine you're going to see the eagles do something similar this week i, I this should be a great game and it will be fascinating to to watch these two teams go at it and i have no doubt that just like the um the packers the other night the the titans will will be it will be in it probably even more much more so than than the packers because i do think they will want a response but ultimately i just don't think they will have enough because i i believe this uh, eagles defense is very impressive as well and i think between the points that they're able to put up and what they'll be able to do defensively they they should get the win but it's the NFL. Uh, all, all things are possible, but I'm going Eagles. The stopping of Derrick Henry over the past two weeks has been significant. In fairness, we, we're, we're talking about that Broncos game in last week, but it, over the course of the season, you know, he's had some really strong games, but by and large, he's been held to check in quite a few games. And the reflector of the yards last week, he only had 38 yards in rushing, and he had 79 in, in receptions, but 74, I believe, came off that one play, which was quite a quirky play. We spoke about it on Monday where he fumbled the ball at the one-yard line. And I look at the Titans in terms of the games in which they've won this year and how many points they put up in games. They haven't been able to live with teams who can put up strong. The games in which they've lost, where they play against teams with aggressive offences who can put up points, they're just not in a position. They can't hold their own and go and blow for blow with teams and find themselves in games 23. This is going to have to be a 17, 14, 2017 type of game for, for me, for the Titans to win. And you're right, AJ Brown. I mean, they offered him 16 million. He got 22. He, he, sorry, he wanted 22 to stay. They offered him 16 million. He said he was being offered a cheap deal. Well, his numbers this year are reflective of that. He's at 831 yards reception, 53 off 53 balls. He's he's 155 in two plus games, seven touchdowns. He's had a significant. Um, he's he's proven that he's proven to be the player that the Eagles thought he was, and why they should why he should have been paid with Tennessee Titans. I'd imagine he will have a big game on Sunday. Prove. To the Titans that they should never let him go in terms of the trade, and I don't see anything other than an Eagles win. It's worth saying as well, Brian, that their figures with Devontae Smith as a downfield threat, and that their figures with Dallas Goddard, who in fairness is on injured reserve at the moment, but also taking targets, and with the team that is still, albeit we don't expect it necessarily to be as skewed as it was the other week. Uh, still very much run first with a running quarterback and a very effective downhill running game. Um, so that is extremely impressive performance. And, you know, this is the beauty, I suppose, again, of the rookie quarterback on the market efficient cap. The Eagles and Harry Roseman has done it again, and he's built around him. And he's built the downfield threats. He's built the system around to support Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts' skill set. Um, I'm sure prior to the last few games, Justin Fields in Chicago might have been looking around and saying, Jesus, could someone build a skill, you know, a team around my skill set? It might actually prove like a good idea. Um, there is there are so many superlatives, and there are a lot of superlatives that we can say about the Eagles. There's equally a lot of superlatives we could say about Mike Rabel's coaching job in Tennessee this year. They are definitely down on talent from where they were last year. They started the season 0-2, and look where we are a few weeks later. They're at 7-4. 
They're comfortably atop the AFC South, uh, and they are marching their way to, again, meaningful games in January, which is what it's all about. I think the interesting thing for me last um, week for the Eagles, though I'm going to zone in on them a little bit more, is there was lots of weirdness in that game. Like their kickoff coverage suddenly decided to disappear against Green Bay. Green Bay had three material kickoff returns. I think a couple of them went for more than 50 yards, which doesn't normally happen, which kind of skewed the game a lot. And like we said, the whole offensive performance was very different. Um, they're going to be down a couple of key players. Goddard, as alluded to, Gardner Johnson lacerated the kidney in that Green Bay game, his starting safety, and he will be out. Um, indeed, that secondary, which started the season absolutely locked down, has had a few potential gaps uh, exposed. But let's be fair, the Titans are not necessarily made up to exploit them in the passing game. Um, here's a little nuance for you. The three times in their history, the Philadelphia Eagles during the Super Bowl era have started 10 and one. They made the Super Bowl every single time, lost it twice, won it once. So Eagles fans, there's a, there's a little thing for you to fly Eagles fly with, uh, on this Thursday night. It's going to be a great game. It's a clash of stars. Like I say, there's going to be a lot of running in this game. Um, but I do fancy the Eagles still to have enough, even with those injuries, even with a little bit of um, uh, uh, tune down, shall we say, in performance, because Titans can't do it all on Derek Henry's shoulders uh, and legs, and, and they, um, they're just going to find themselves slightly outmatched this weekend. It's not going to stop them winning the AFC South. It's not going to stop them appearing in January, and when it gets to playoff times, who knows? But Eagles for me to go to 11 and 1. Um, on that, guys, I mean, just actually very briefly, we're talking that the Eagles are 10 and 1. Cowboys are chasing them. Vikings are chasing them for number one seed. They obviously have the uh, the tiebreaker against the Vikings. Cowboys, they've still got another game uh, to play against them uh, later on in the season. Do you see them stumbling of the blocks? We've seen it in past years. I remember the the, the Patriots started 10-0 and 0 one year and ended up with the second seed because they lost four of six. Um, do you see the Eagles potentially having a material stumble or is it locked in? They're going to be first round, first seed, get the extra buys, and then you have to win three games in the playoffs. I, I don't think it's absolutely locked in, um, but equally I don't, I don't see them being I, – I don't think they're a fraudulent uh, team. I don't, don't think this is an 11-0 Steelers-type situation. Um, I, I do think that they, like, I mean, again, it's, it wouldn't be a shock if the Titans were to, to beat them. It wouldn't be a shock if they were, for me, if they were to drop, say, two more games uh, over the, the course of the rest of the, of the, the season. And I do think when it comes to the, the playoffs, they they will need to, to step it up. Um, but I don't see them having any sort of enormous collapse. Um, they have they have lost players and they have rebounded. Uh, you know, after their loss a couple of weeks ago, they've won two on the bounce. Uh, and and to be honest, like nearly nearly losing and then responding is what you wanted to see because the pressure um, that goes on you when you, the longer you go unbeaten uh, is kind of ridiculous, and especially for. Uh, a head coach uh, who is, you know, in his second year, uh, a QB who is essentially two and a bit years into his um, 
career. Uh, I, I don't think it'll have done the Eagles any harm to have lost the game. I don't think it would do them any harm to maybe lose another game. Um, but I, I don't see a collapse where they end up kind of losing four or five games. Um, it would have to be a case of them losing this weekend, to be honest, Mark. Yeah, that would put the concern. Um, I, I'm looking at the schedule in which they've got left. They've got to play the Bears. They've got to play the Saints. Uh, with all due respect to uh, the Giants having a great season, they played the Giants twice. And again, that game in Week 18 could be could be redundant. Um, they've also got the, the Cowboys. I think it's the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. That's that's the big one. But this this game this weekend would have to be would have to be a defeat for this for for potentially a scenario where they don't make the first seed. Um, for me, I wouldn't say it's locked in, similar to Colin, but I think to get over the hunt this weekend, I think they're nearly there. Are you, are you more concerned about the Vikings being in the position to be able to win out, to get out, to, to, to leapfrog them? Because as you touched on there, they've already beaten them week two. So essentially, right now, they've got a two-game. They've got a two-game lead because the first, obviously, tiebreaker, if they were to finish on the same record, would essentially be that game in week two, and obviously the Eagles have that in the bag. So they're going to have to lose two and, and have the Vikings run the table. I just don't see, don't see that, how that can materialise. Fair enough. No, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm they're too legit to quit in my mind. And Colin saying they're not fraudulent. That's right. They're legitimate in relation to it. So I I, I see it as just an interesting question. Speaking of questions, Brian or comments, anything we have coming in from people watching to address? Yeah. Well, whilst we're talking about the Eagles, um, fair point here around the two players and we still brought in over the past few few weeks, uh, Lemuel Joseph and obviously Sue. They had a big, I suppose they had a sack in their opening game in Indianapolis, and again, I suppose it's transitioned into this defense, so that's a fair point. The Christmas team is out tonight, and um, a lot of people are wondering why we don't have Christmas decorations up. Um, Owen has asked, it's, Where's the decor? And um, I haven't turned on the flashing lights this evening, that my bad. I'll have to make sure that's that's uh, it's, it's in asked. the other room, it's in the other room, Owen. I know they're there, just having, and he's asked me, uh, my morning, well, the Giants haven't played yet, so. Declan is obviously coming ho 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 so uh, that's everyone's in the Christmas spirit Brian basically yeah exactly yeah, there you go um, and Fred has joined us late in the day he thought the show was over so thankfully no Fred we're, we're hitting the the 9 o'clock slot after a couple of quick boys here we, it, it definitely isn't over we still got a fair way to go in fairness so we've got a few games to go so we might do is we might flip in uh, to a couple and a bit more of a quick fire um, just taking them individually. So, Colin, maybe I'll throw over the the Packers versus the Bears. Uh, classic NFC North um, game for you there. Yeah, well, truly, uh, two of the, the most storied franchises. And obviously, look, a- another week and yet more debate about Aaron Rodgers and the injury and Jordan Love and when he's starting and will he be traded. Um, the Athletic did a big piece this week um, which talked about potential QB moves in the offseason. Tom Brady returning to New England was mentioned. Um, who, <laughs> I wanted to see Mark's uh, reaction to that. Um, but for for Rodgers, um, you know, there has been debate that maybe the, the Packers should go with, with love, and there might be merit to that. But Matt LaFleur has come out and said that uh, Rodgers is leaning towards starting. And I am not at all surprised by that because Aaron Rodgers would want to to play for a number of reasons. One, if he plays and if the Packers win, he breaks a tie with Brett Favre 
they each have 23 wins against the Bears, he would take sole possession um, of the uh, holder of the QB with the most wins against the Bears. And moreover, the Packers would take over as the winningest franchise in all of NFL history. So there are quite a few incentives for Mr. Rogers to want to uh, play at the, the weekend. And what also assists in that is the Bears injury uh, report. Um, they have a small hospital and it is very unlikely that Justin Fields will play. Um, they signed a QB to their um for to their practice squad um for and um it looks like it might be nathaniel peterman perhaps um uh, we shall uh wait and and see what happens there if if this justin fields wasn't injured and if he was still on the run that he had been on i think that this could be similar to what the eagles did to the packers um but he is not and even if he were to start and i think the bears would be silly to do it but if he were to i think what you would uh, it would be it would be very limited in terms of him running the football so i just don't see the bears having enough i think once again aaron Rodgers goes into chicago and Aaron Rodgers beats the Bears. He tends to beat the Bears. He tends to beat the Cowboys. And a few weeks ago, he roughed at Dallas and the Cowboys were playing lights out. And they still got the win. For so Sometimes certain things just happen. And I'm going to say that, unfortunately, Bears fans, I think better days are ahead because Justin Fields looks like the, the QB of the future. But not this weekend. Brian? I'm going to ask Colin, would he change his pick if he knew? No, actually, no, he's limited. If Justin Fields plays, he's going to be limited. And therefore, <clears throat> excuse me, they still won't win the game. Ian Rappaport is tweeting in the past error that he was a full participant in today's practice. And the, the expectation is he will start. Um, I'm go, I'll go with the Bears. I think the Bears might uh, find, if, if Justin Fields is playing, I think the Packers season is done. Um, Bears will want to finally turn them over. Bears. Come on, let's go with hope for the future. Bears, Justin Fields, turn turn the tide of this rivalry. So I'm with you on that. Um, the Browns versus the Texans, Brian. Maybe you give us a quick breakdown on that, and then me and Colin will give our picks quickly. It's the long-awaited game we've all been looking forward to seeing. Uh, yeah, no, I thought this was the one in which we'd be getting all the uh, conversations this week. Bear in mind that Deshaun Watson is making his Cleveland Browns debut on Sunday after his 11-game ban and his 5 million fine. We have spoke time and time again, not in too much detail about the situation, and I think it's best that it's left there. But um, look, the game is the game. It's not going to be one of those games that's going to be watched by numerous people because of the situation in which both teams are in. Neither team are going to make the playoffs. The Texan season essentially is over there now, folks, on being the team that gets the number one seed, the Browns. Have a squeak of a, of a chance if they were to make a run, but they're so inconsistent. And they okay, they got over the line last week, but even with the quarterback coming back, he hasn't played a game in three years. Would I be correct, give or take? So 700 days, 700 days. It'll be interesting to see, and it's pure, let's focus on the playing side of things. It'd be interesting to see how he plays because the, the uh, reports coming out this week, he hasn't practiced very well, he's been very, very rusty. And that's a concern going into a game, which I imagine the Texans will be up for and they'll probably play well for a half and the Browns will still find a way to win. Because if it's not Deshaun Watson who's beating them, they've still got Chubb and Hunt. 
and he did, and they, they rely on them, they'll run them into the ground and win the game. So the Browns will win this game. Colm? <laughs> um, I, um, I I feel um, I'm my infamous rant, um, you know, a year on is looking better and better. And the Texans owe a public apology to David Culley. Um, the Browns will run and run and run. Um, and the Browns should um, get this victory, though I would love to see the Texans actually, um, you know, shut me up and win this particular game. And also Jacoby Brissett, I hope he gets a starting job somewhere next year. Yeah, the Texans took the bus and threw it over David Culley. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like now they're backing up the bus and running over Lovey Smith. Um, and uh, both coaches uh, have been poorly treated by that franchise. Deshaun Watson, as you've all seen, is uh, answering questions in the press conference only related to football for uh, legal reasons. In unrelated news, uh, I saw that um, Antonio Brown's just had another arrest warrant issued to uh, by Tampa police uh, after him, as we've been on on air. So, uh, um, yes, trouble seems to to follow uh, in relation to it, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of build up during the off season to next year's Cleveland Browns team, Deshaun Watson being their face of the franchise and trying to lead them back and what that uh, has connotations there too. So I look, I'm, the Browns will win the game. That's about it. Unfortunately, nothing else nice can be said about it. Um, I will very briefly touch on the Seahawks versus the Rams and ask you two guys for your picks. Um, this, to me, I, I, I always say, it, I used to always regard this as the Jeff Fisher Bowl because it didn't matter how bad he dragged the Rams down, they would play the Seattle Seahawks in their divisional game and somehow usually with special teams or some amazing plays or, or something on um, uh, a great defensive play and somehow beat uh, the Pete Carroll Seahawks even when they were at their peak. Uh, it seemed like they're the hood, hoodoo over them. Um, this isn't as appetizing a game as it might have been uh, a couple of weeks ago even. Um, the Rams are very severely on a decline, obviously mysteriously affected by injuries, but the Seahawks as well are on a two-game losing streak and that little special mojo they had going seems to have waned a little. I'll tell you how bad it is. Not only are we looking at the the Matthew Stafford being sidelined on IR, Cooper Cup being sidelined on IR, um, John Wolford, who has missed the last two games, they were down to their third-choice quarterback. But to, uh, this Sunday, for the first time in his nine-year career, Aaron Donald will miss a game in the NFL due to injury. Injury or broken heart from how the season's gone? You decide, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It could be either uh, metric or scenario. Um, Kenneth Walker, who's the, the rookie running back for the Seattle Seahawks, he has really run into a brick wall the last few weeks. He's only average. He's averaging below two yards a carry in the last two games where they've lost. Um, however, Geno Smith has performed far and above expectations. Geno Smith, I think, is about 200 yards away from his best ever career total. And Geno Smith, dare I say, is potentially walking himself into a long-term position as the starter in Seattle. He's definitely earned the right this season um, to see what he can do in future years. Interesting thing for all of this for me is the offseason, when we get to it, guys, we're going to have very few teams that are really looking for quarterbacks. Um, it, so, you know, all this news about Tom Brady. Oh, <laughs> I think you might be locked in with cap space to Russell Wilson, Colin. So that wave, that wave isn't going to help you there. 
But all this noise about, you know, Aaron Rodgers moving, Tom Brady moving, it's like, question is to where? And the weirdest and scariest thing of all might be actually Los Angeles Rams might have been one of those. Um, we will come back to that point, Keith, in a second, actually, about the Sunday night and the reallocation of games. But for the moment, um, look, the Rams are on a death spiral. The Seahawks will write the ship, and I get the Seahawks to go to 7-5. Keep pressure on San Francisco 49ers there in that particular divisional race. Colin and Brian, who you got? Uh, the, the Seahawks, the Rams are just so beaten up at this point. Seattle benefit from the weekend in which the Giants are watching their, one of them is losing a game. They jump back into the, the wild card at the wild card spots. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, And they're, they're absolutely in the mix on that. Um, just touching on Keith's comment there, guys, and Colin, when we talk about the, the value of the uh, the contracts, the value of the primetime games, etc. Obviously, Denver have featured in a number of primetime games this season, especially earlier in the season. Um this flexing isn't that surprising, really, is it? No, God, no. Um, given what uh, people have been subjected to, uh, genuinely, Broncos fans celebrated. Nobody, nobody wanted another prime time game. Uh, another yet more memes. Yeah, you know, people subjected uh, to it, especially uh, against the the Chiefs, who have you know just beaten up the broncos uh, every which way over the the last uh, 6 years um look the i mean the russell wilson question is the the one everyone uh, is seems to be talking about this week and why how exactly do you fix a quarter of a billion dollar problem and i don't think there are any easy answers but i um, certainly on this side of the, the world, I'm delighted it has been flexed out, um, uh, which, te- which tells you everything. Like you, you should never want your, your team to be flexed out, especially because like the Broncos losing doesn't even get the Broncos a better draft position because they gave it away. But yet nobody, nobody needs to stay up late to, to see it. And even for fans in uh, the States, they just want to get it over and done with. Mark, that particular weekend, the two games that were in play for the flexing was the Eagles and the Giants, which was at six o'clock, and that was under consideration. And obviously this uh, two versus Herbert battle, which reverts back to the draft. Fourth pick and the fifth pick in the first round came out in the same year. So they, they leaned with that kind of headline. Thankfully they did, because like like Colin, fans this side of the world do not want to be staying up watching the team, no matter how good the season is going, until half four in the morning. <laughs> Well, yeah, the network's moving away from a Paddy Mahomes primetime game takes something. But, yeah, Tua and Justin, and we've talked about it in last year, in fact, when they matched up. So, like, great, great to see, and it will be great uh, at the time. Um, Speaking of Tua, um, he is playing quarterback again. He's playing quarterback for the 8-3 and Miami Dolphins. Um, I actually don't know the historical context, but we must be going back to Marino times. Um, must be going back to Marino times for the Dolphins to be eight and three uh, in a season. I know the Jets had a couple of outlier uh, seasons. They had five. They were eight and three. But Dolphins, I think it's probably going back to, Jesus, it must be early 90s um, when they've had this record. Tannehill had a, you know, they got to the playoffs before, but they've never been on this hot streak. They are going across country. They're going to the San Francisco 49ers, who themselves are seven and four. And as we just alluded to and talking about the Seattle game, heading up that particular division. Um, 
Frank Carson, wasn't it? Used to say it's a cracker. This is a cracker um, column. You know, Christmas cracker, anywhere you like it. This is going to be explosive and has material playoff implications on both sides of the conferences. Yeah, I, I really think this um, is one of, if not the most intriguing game of the season because Mike McDaniel, who was Kyle Shanahan's sidekick for so long, Kyle took him everywhere. And I think now people are seeing why uh, he he did that. I mean, all of the, the clips this week, the relationship that he has with Tua, the way in which he talked about rebuilding Tua's confidence after uh, last year was, was quite uh, telling and lots of kind of very funny and viral clips and they appear to really kind of get on. And when you're head coach and your QB are in sync like that, good things tend to happen and that's what we are seeing um even in terms of i don't know if people have seen the clock video um but again it's just an insight into the way in which mike mcdaniel's uh, works or mike mcdaniel works and it's really um you know there's a lot of talk uh, sometimes in the, in the league that you can't be different um that you have to conform um, you don't you can't. mike mcdaniel is not a usual head coach but he is a winner and people respect him and respond to him and when you see the litany of former players from all of the teams that have come on tv on podcasts this year and talked about what they learned from him what he took from them how he leaned in and wanted to know what worked from them and then he incorporated that into game plans he makes players better that is what he endeavors to do and he has the dolphins playing the most explosive offensive football that we are seeing in the league this year when scoring is down across the league the dolphins are the great entertainers um there you know there are others uh, who are uh, entertaining but um the dolphins are it now him going up against demeco ryan's will be fascinating i mean these are two guys who know one another these are two guys who battled it out on the training ground and now they get to, to do it for real i i am really intrigued to see how it goes and it will be a big test uh, for both of these teams and um, be a big test for the the 49ers who i mean this is the the most explosive offense and can they slow it down and you know i think at this point fortunately um other than people who you know just are refusing to change their minds i don't think the the question i don't think there are questions about tua anymore there you know people um had the questions coming in uh, to the season perhaps but i don't think anyone really has them now i yeah i i just can't wait to, to watch this I'm, I'm really really looking forward to this because this is what you want nfl football to be this is like kind of uh, demolition derby meets chess and i am probably gonna go um uh, and and brian may, may be able to to say the odds i imagine they're the underdogs i'm gonna say that miami's um offense and mike mcdaniel go goes into san francisco flies all the way west and comes home with the win well, Colm, you're right. They are they aren't the favourites. They're the underdogs. Um, in the betting world, they're getting four points. They're four points underdogs. The expectation is then the 49ers will win a close one. And I was surprised with that. This game for me had a, a pick'em type of scenario. 
I was reflecting on our show last June, Colin, if you recall, when we went out to Ballyboden and we were talking about all the teams and which teams had a quarterback um, decision to make come the end of the season. And we, we kind of touched on, we both picked the Dolphins to make the playoffs. And in that show, we said, it's this type of scenario where they'll get to the playoffs, they'll get beaten in a wild card. And the narrative will be, if only we had a better quarterback than Tua. That's gone now. I mean, now we're talking about potentially the Dolphins making the Super Bowl. This is a storyline of the week. This could be a Super Bowl rematch come February in Arizona. I think the, the, I think the Niners have a lot more to do to be in a position <clears throat> excuse me, to go to the Super Bowl. Their defense is playing lights out. Let's be fair, they shut down last week a Saints team. But they only got one sack, but they still shut them down. And they, they, they were in the red zone twice, the Saints, and they still found ways to stop them. The previous week in Mexico against the Cards, Cards didn't score in the second half. The previous week against the Chargers at home on the Sunday night football, the Chargers didn't score in the second half. Their defense is playing lights out stuff, as Collins alluded in terms of the defensive coordinators. Having a great season. Being spoke about now, recommendation around him potentially being head coach next season. And I was looking at this Dolphins team, and, and you're right, like the, the last four games, okay, albeit it was the Texans last week, and they eased off, let's be fair, they eased off very early in the game. They could have easily put up another... 70 and 20 points, 30 points, 39, 35, 31 in the last four games. I'm struggling to see how, as, as good as this defense is playing for the 49ers, I find it hard to see how they can stop this Dolphins offense and how they're playing. Waddle and Hillbow had eight, 85 yards last week and yet they didn't score a touchdown. Wilson, they were more geared to the run game last week. Like They've got all the attributes now. Wilson had 39 yards, one touchdown before he went off injured. The way he was going at that stage of the game, it was early. He probably ran, he would have ran up to 100. They're consistently doing it on offense. For me, I haven't seen enough of the 49ers offense. They played really well in Mexico. Last week, they stuttered. One touchdown. They're up and down. They're going to have to come out and go blow for blow with a team that I think will put up again close to 30 points. I'm with Colin. I think they shouldn't be they shouldn't be the underdogs. They should be the favorites for me. They'll win this game. Well, we, we called it out with the AJ Brown going back to, uh, uh, sorry, going back up against the Titans after the trade. Um, there is definitely a revenge klaxon over this game um, with uh, Mike McDaniel. It's not the same thing. He wasn't shipped out necessarily, but he will go there and want to put one over his old friend, uh, to be sure. Um, they first got together, I think it was 2006 in Houston, of all places. And McDaniel was always Shanahan's uh, assistant. Ever since he got his first position coach, they worked together 14 out of 16 seasons uh, through various stops in five different teams. And now McDaniel improving his own play as a, uh, as a head coach is, uh, is certainly making waves, um, both in the performance and also the way, as Colm alluded to, in the way in which he's doing it. Brian, you just alluded there to the Dolphins' offensive explosion the last four weeks. It's actually a franchise record. It equals a franchise record. And only the second time in their history they've had 30 points or more in four consecutive games. And coming from a franchise with the storied history that Miami has, with a quarterback for many years like Dan Marino, still the purest and best release I think that anyone has ever seen in the NFL. Um, didn't just start a couple of years ago. You know, some of these guys that were around in the 80s and 90s did some some good things in the, uh, American football as well. Um but it is really strength against strength. The 49ers have not conceded a point in the second half since week seven. Um, so that's just an unbelievable statistic in itself. So it's strength against strength. But here's the weakness. The Dolphins' defense, I have called out from time to time. Xavier Howard isn't actually having this great season as he is known for. Their defense has been... 
uh, weaker. Uh, it's certainly to say they're certainly the weaker side, even though they've obviously traded uh, recently for Chubb to try to shore up and create a bit more of a pass rush. However, they go up against a very anemic offense. I mean, whatever about the great defensive performance, they only score 13 points. The 49ers have a lot to answer for, especially with the Tannen, and we call them out all the time, of Samuel, of McCaffrey, of Kittle, of Ayuk, of Juszczyk even. And I know I'm still forgetting one of them um, uh, in relation to it, but there's a five-headed monster going on up there, um, and they are not yet getting the beautiful connection or performances of all of it. So that weakness is the sin in relation to it. I equally think Mike um, McDaniel knows the uh, the coaching staff over there inside out. He knows the 49ers team inside out. So I will go with the Dolphins as well to run the gamut in Levi Stadium and beat the 49ers this weekend. Brian, there's a comment in around this as well? Yeah, obviously we've referred to the fact that there's been, you know, stuff in the media this week that this could be a Super Bowl rematch. Keith is referring back to the Super Bowl in the 80s where uh, the Dolphins were well taken care of by by Joe Montana and the, and the 49ers. And I recall after that Super Bowl, Montana and Dan Marino did an advert for Coca-Cola together after that game in which um, Dan Marino said, this time is your time, the next time will be my time. Well, there hasn't been any time for the Dolphins since, so maybe this is the year in which they return to the Super Bowl. Keith says he's shown his age now. He was 13 and he was in tears that night. Jesus, um, Keith. Keith, you really are showing your age now. Yeah. Let's be fair about this. I mean, that was Dan Marino's second season. That was the the um, the record-setting season when he was the first quarterback ever to go over the 5,000-yard uh, barrier, I believe. And uh, we're talking nearly 40 years ago. Um, Keith, so um, we'll leave it nearly 40 years ago. We'll leave it for people at home to do the maths on that one uh, as well. Um, yeah, Christ almighty. Um, yeah, that, that's. Uh, do you know what? That was the weird thing, though, of course, because everyone believed. Marino comes bursting onto the scene, completely revolutionizes. And again, let's not forget, and it's always worth calling now, without the controls against defensive holding without the rules about you can't hit the wide receivers or the receivers five yards down the line. If you went across the middle on a slant pattern, be prepared to be decapitated in relation to it. And he put up those passing numbers. People thought he was going to revolutionize the game and he would be in it many more times. But you're quite right, Brian. And Keith remembers quite well. Um, the Dolphins have never dared enter that vicinity again. Patrick Mahomes was on the Kelsey Brothers podcast earlier on uh, today, either today or yesterday. I just saw the clips today and he was going through his Mount Rushmore of QBs and he had Mourinho, uh, Mourinho, uh, he had Dan Marino uh, just losing out to John Elway. But he said that that 84 season by Dan was the uh, greatest QB season of all time. Uh, 40, 48 touchdowns in that era is simply, simply ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, one of our uh, off-season shows already we're planning will be a uh, Mount Rushmore of those key skill positions. Again, a few uh, uh, names and voices from around the NFL to give their votes and their comments on uh, who they would put as the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks, wide receivers and running backs. So it's a long way away, but when it gets cold and dark and there's no NFL and you're feeling sad and lonely, um, just like the Rembrandts used to sing at the start of Friends, uh, we'll be there for you. 
Um, right, moving swiftly on before I quote any more bad pop songs. Chiefs are nine and two. They are going again in a matchup between two teams with winning records to the Bengals uh, at seven and four. At this, you know, interesting inflection time. Obviously, last week the Ravens lost, the Bengals won, they closed the gap there in the AFC North. Um, it's it's a it's a delicate balance there, whereas the Chiefs still look like they're marching on towards the first seed in the AFC. Uh, Colin, this, you know, arguably if the Bengals win and everything starts swinging the other direction, that puts the Chiefs back into to, to play in terms of uh, seeding within the AFC as well. So it's a big game for the Chiefs just as much as it is a big game for Mr. Burrow and the uh, Bengals. Yeah, this is another game that kind of um, um, promises to to be fantastic. To the, you've given um, the intro to it there, um, but both teams getting hot at the the right time. Um, just uh, the the Bengals kind of following uh, last year's pattern uh, a little bit. Game happening a a lot earlier, and um, you know this is the the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in November and December are phenomenal. And they sit on the precipice of an eighth uh, straight playoff berth, uh, which would, um, you know, be a, a league leader for Andy Reid. Uh, since Andy Reid went to the Chiefs, he has won 112 games, uh, which leads the league in that time. Um, he simply cannot do any wrong. And he, he is he is ridiculous. Mahomes is ridiculous. Um, but Burrow has... Uh, had you know their number two and zero against them, including in even in the postseason, um, and I, I think you've seen players from both sides chirping at one another on social media this week. I think this promises to to be a really really good game. Um, if it was uh, you know week uh, seventeen or, or week eighteen, um, I and and it wasn't December. I might well um, pick the Bengals. I do think it'll be high scoring. It looks like uh, Jamar Chase will be back. They might get Mixon back. They showed uh, what they're all about against the Titans last week. They will not be bullied. Um, but Mahomes um, is the MVP frontrunner for a reason. Uh, he is simply sensational. And I will never uh, tire of saying he makes the magical seem mundane. He's that good. I'm going to go with the the Chiefs, um, but it is one. Would you be surprised if the Bengals won it? No. I just think and Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes will just about have enough um, to get the win on the road. Yeah, Mark, you're talking about Dan Marino coming into the league and being in the Super Bowl and after two years and never coming back again. Well, Joe Burrow has been to a Super Bowl after two years. Similar similar scenario. Will we see the Bengals back in the Super Bowl? But right now, they're going on a, a nice little, you know, no one's really talking about the Bengals. You know, kind of, they start the season sluggish. You know, we spoke about the Super Bowl hangover. Offensive line was a, was a problem last week. It was probably their best game. They only had one sacking in a game in Tennessee where people felt that they would get beaten up again by a team which sacked them 13 times during the playoffs. These played each other in week 17 last year. I know they played each other in the championship game. They played each other in week 17. A lot of similarities to that game. The Bengals were getting hot at the right time. The Chiefs were trying to wrap up the number one seed. They lost the game. They lost out to the number one seed. Got it back in a way because obviously the Titans got beaten against the Bengals as it happened in the playoffs. And we're in a similar situation as Columns alluded to. The Chiefs need to win, wrap up the division, which essentially is already done, but keep going because the Spills team are right behind them. 
And again, like we've got a seven and four team that have tied it up in the division with the Ravens. To, again, the Bengals have to keep winning. This arguably again is another one that could be picked as the, the game of the weekend. I'm with Colm. I think this time round, I think the Chiefs will find a way to win. Chase is back. Mixon potentially is back. Um, I think it could be a high-scoring game. But right now, you can't go against the Chiefs the way they're playing. And the way Mahomes is playing, he has to be right up there for the MVP. I think the Chiefs correct the wrongs of last season where they lost two games to them and beat them this time round. I'm glad you called that out, Brian. I was about to make the same point. Twice in a month, they lost, obviously, at the end of last season there. Once to, for the Bengals to secure the AFC North title and then, obviously, the key... Playoff game, Shooter McPherson, both times. Just a field goal in the difference. But sure, all you need is a point. You don't need to be even three ahead. Just one at the end is all that matters. And look, yeah, I mean, we we talk about Magic Mahomes. Um, Jalen Hurts has an arguable case, obviously, for MVP and has been doing some superb things this season. But Patrick Mahomes stand number three, three and a half thousand yards, over 29 passing TDs uh, already. And certainly in recent weeks has absolutely been hotting up, has been making the connections with the with the receivers, has seemingly overcome that, you know, perception towards the end of last season. Even the first few weeks of this season was like, well, if you do a discipline cover two, Mahomes won't be able to take you apart. More interestingly as well, their three-headed monster at running back has started to prove dividends and give them a degree uh, with Pichero and others, a degree of consistency in the running game, which you know, just adds fuel onto the fire. Um, look, whilst they've got Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in sync, doing their magic, uh, even the Bengals and their um, miraculous performances, especially last season, and their improvement in the offensive line. One thing we should touch on is that has slowly improved as they've had time to gel and those off-season investments for the Bengals has been very useful. But they want to watch out for Chris Jones this week. He got... Um, I think he got a bonus last week, actually. He got 10 sacks, so he triggered a bonus in his contract for $1.25 million. He will be very happy to cash in some more money in the next final six weeks of the season, if he can, um, and he can wreak havoc along that uh, line. Overall, can only agree with you, gentlemen. Um, you know, Bengals are a good side. Bengals are getting hair players back healthy, and they could still go on a run, but at the end of the day, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. And until further notice, their nine and two will continue to grow to 10 and two, 11 and two, et cetera, et cetera. So, full house on the Chiefs. Uh, and it leads us to the other part of the AFC West this weekend. The, uh, I still want to call them San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers um, at seven and five. In very much in the playoff hunt, very much in the playoff hunt, especially for that that sixth and seventh wild card slots. Um, maybe not going to get up to the the Bills and Dolphins level, but they're in the hunt versus the five and seven Raiders. And I called it a few weeks ago, Colin, that the Raiders could go on a run and challenge for one of those wild card slots. They then had an abysmal defeat, and I was like, oh, I just give up. Why was I even saying that? And now. They've won a couple, and you look at the schedule, and you kind of go, you know, you know, strange things have happened in relation to it, especially when they've opportunities like this with the games against teams that they're competing for that wild card slot with. Am I just trying to give Raiders fans too much hope, Colm, or is there light at the end of that black black tunnel? I, I don't know if um, they will make the, the playoffs, but could they 
um, you know, have a have a winning season. Yeah, and after a truly, truly terrible start to the Josh McDaniels era, they have two wins on the bounce after that embarrassing loss to Jeff Saturday and the Colts that you mentioned. For look for the Chargers, it's it's all about Justin Herbert. That's the, the entirety of the franchise is on his shoulders. And, you know, the moves that they made in the offseason haven't worked. Um, it's still the Justin Herbert show. I have never been um, too keen on their receiving core. I think if uh, Herbert um, had better uh, receivers, um, they they would um, be have an awful lot uh, of a better record. He just is. He's a fantastic QB, but like defensively, it's the same issues as last year. You can run all over them, and this is the problem um, for the Chargers. They are going up against Josh Jacobs, um, who is playing like a man possessed, and he is going to earn himself some serious money uh, next year, wherever uh, he ends up. Um, look, th- this divisional matchup could could absolutely go either way. And when you face Justin Herbert, all things are possible. We saw him, um, you know, la- uh, last year. We've seen it this year. We've seen it uh, in his three years in the, the league. Um, and he, he does seem to, to like playing the Raiders. I, I just... I just feel for the Chargers, it's similar to, you know, almost when they played the Broncos last year and the Broncos were able to run all over them, even though um, the Broncos didn't really, you know, the, the if you match the rosters player for player, they wouldn't be be at the level. Um, if, if you put Herbert on this Raiders uh, roster, um, I think the, you could be looking at, you know, uh, eight nine wins uh, at at this time. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with the the Raiders in this just because uh, I I still don't have faith in uh, the Chargers receivers. Um, but I expect Justin Herbert to make it wonderfully entertaining. I thought you were going to say, Colin, you had no faith in Brandon Staley. Um, but. He was okay last week because he got a two-point conversion and he won a game and all of a sudden he was the smartest boy in the room again. Um, ne- never mind the inconsistency of the performance again against an average side in, in the Cardinals. Their second half display was punt, 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 touchdown. The previous week against the Chiefs in the second half, having ran the Chiefs close and been in the position to win because they played so well in the first half, the second half was punt, 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 touchdown. And the previous week they couldn't score in the second half at all against the 49ers. They just can't seem to play four quarters of football. We're talking about teams earlier on who just can't seem to put it together for the four, four quarters and that's their problem and for the Raiders in fairness like you know they rebounded off some difficult results in particular the one against the, the Colts I mean the season was over after that one that was a, a massive loss having lost to Jeff Saturday in the Colts they won two games on the trot in overtime they seem to be playing really for the coach you're right about Josh Jacobs he's not going to be it doesn't look like he's going to be there next season the betting podcast which we put out earlier on this evening I was fortunate to have Steve O'Rourke, who's a big Raiders fan. He doesn't believe he would be maintained. He did He did have a level of optimism about the fact that the team are playing for the, for the coach, and he doesn't think they're going to make the playoffs, but he does think, similar to what Marcus is suggesting, based on what they've got left, that there's winnable games, and I believe this is a very winnable game for them. They lost in week one by five points. They had the ball at the end to potentially win the game. They've always run them close. You saw last year what happened in the... The final game when both teams needed a draw to get into the playoffs and the Raiders kicked the field goal and won the game. That's the type of game 
I expect high scoring game. I think the Raiders find a way to edge it and move on, move on to six and seven. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the game back in uh, January there, Brian, because it was the the parallels to the the Chiefs and Bengals almost, you know, the, those key uh, quasi-playoff and pre-playoff uh, games are essential. And obviously that was a win and you're in or even draw and you're in scenario, which didn't necessarily turn out with the draw, uh, as you remember, rightly remember. Um, the Chargers have actually had the Raiders' number outside of that game, though. They've won seven of their last 11 uh, matchups. Um, but there's a little scheduling quirk. We were talking about scheduling quirks earlier on in the season, uh, earlier on in the show. Um, the Chargers are on their fourth road game in five. So they're putting some miles on the clock there. Now, again, you can make the average joke when, you know, the Chargers play 17 road games when you consider that so far is generally uh, booked out by opposing fans and they have to deal with um, troublesome conditions, to say the least. But um, there's a big bit of injury news. Obviously, Joey Bosa is out, which is good news for that Raiders offensive line. That Raiders offensive line has been performing a lot more admirably than last season. Could it get much worse? And has improved during the year, getting holes in the run game for the inimitable Josh Jacobs. And like Colin calls out, that is the key one um, uh, and key matchup of this game for me as well. It's Josh Jacobs against that Chargers run defense. Um and I just see, unfortunately for Chargers fans, that piece going one way. Um, if you take the ball out of Derek Carr's hands, for, except for the few times when he needs to throw it to Devontae Adams um, or Waller or, you know, the various options that they have in that offense. Um, Josh Jacobs has been carrying this team. I think he carries this team uh, this weekend as well. And I will take the Raiders and like I said, some light at the end of the tunnel, some light in that black hole um, for them. We've we've had a nice and relaxed chat, guys. It's been you know a long show, but we still have one key game to go. Brian, your favorite team, and I'll come to you first with this because I know you want to say so many beautiful things about the Cowboys, especially in their last performance, but they are playing on Sunday night football, a ratings winner always over in America. They face off, however, against um, Coach of the Year, Jeff Saturday. Uh, a win out of nowhere and then, a, you know, an unfortunate or close uh, near shave uh, in relation to it. But surely this, you know, you know he's going to be put out of his misery against the indomitable Mike McCarthy and the 8-3 and three Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that it is the Cowboys, Mark, I'd imagine this is the type of game that would have been flexed out of a Sunday Night Football because... You know, bearing in mind the Colts kind of lost their last opportunity of the season on Monday night, losing that game to the Steelers. And I know that game would have to be in flex sooner, 12 days out, but like it's all about the Cowboys, really, isn't it? They're eight and three. Like they're obviously hoping that the Eagles are turned over to put themselves in a position to play them on Christmas Eve with, with a chance to overturn the the uh, divisional lead. But um, you can't see anything other, worse, other than a Cowboys win. I was reflecting on the three Colts games, you know, they go and beat. They go and beat um, the Raiders, who are up and down. They then really come close to beating the, the Eagles in a game that, as I said at the time, I felt would be a lot closer than people uh, imagined. And it took a last-minute field, sorry, touchdown from the Eagles to win. And then on Monday night, we saw the lack of experience in terms of coaching on the last drive in terms of the timeouts. And it's been such a discussion and hot topic all week in terms of the play calling. I would have felt he would have leaned on people who have had coaching experience in that situation in the background to help him out. But it wasn't to be. They lost the game. This is a difficult one. 
Matt Ryan, the offensive line is just not played to any level in which we talked this season. And Matt Ryan's going up against arguably one of the best defences in front seven in the league with Michael Parsons and Lawrence and other players who are just going to, you would expect it's going to be a long, long night. For the Colts and, and for the Cowboys, I think it'll be a very comfortable win and they'll, they'll re, be re-energised and focused on bigger games ahead. But for, unless they just kind of look too far ahead, as we've seen in the NFL before, I don't see it. I think this is a comfortable Cowboys win come Sunday night. Yeah, the 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 Colts have committed twenty one turnovers, and they have surrendered forty three sacks, and they will be facing up against Michael Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Dwarrence Armstrong, Dante Fowler, uh, the the Cowboys after losing that opener five five of the bounce at home, and um, it's just as Brian has pointed out it's really difficult to see you know uh, any aspect of the game where the Colts match up favorably like the offense they really struggle to score points right they struggle to protect the quarterback the the defense is is reasonable but it's like do you trust it to 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 be able to do it alone without like against this Dallas team um I I just think for the, the Cowboys and this is now the, the Cowboys have to show up, right? Because the Cowboys, again, Denver went into Dallas last year and everyone expected. I mean, they were going to have a field there. She, anybody could get to Teddy Bridgewater and Dallas just didn't show up. And whether that is the Jerry Jones effect um, and they're just overconfident um, or whatever it is. Now, maybe this year, the battle between Zeke and Pollard um, and the questions that have kind of surrounded Dak, maybe that will focus them a bit more. But if the Cowboys show up, they should win this game. Yeah, um, I actually, it, it's funny. I, I came across an old photo of Jeff Saturday there and you see him on the sideline now. He looks like a completely different man, obviously. I mean, he li- literally looks half the size. And ironically, um, you know, I, I don't really have confidence in the Colts winning this game and going to five and seven, which is probably good for the uh, amount of photos popping up from 1957, which are causing some consternation this week as well. Um, the Cowboys, when it comes to the matters on the field, have been certainly in recent weeks uh, with uh, Dak getting back in sync, CD Lamb stepping up, just an awesome unit. And they've been awesome on the offensive side, um, finally seem to get the right mix between Pollard and Elliott. And as you alluded to, guys, supreme on the defensive side. For a team I, I did worry about in some of the gaps in relation to it, they have been... Um, not just locking down, they've been difference makers on defense. Micah Parsons being the absolute critical piece in that, I would say, of course. Um, but I fancy them to feast on that Colts offensive line. Of course, the Colts have improved just by putting Matt Ryan back in the lineup, just by getting a bit of better play from their offensive line, a waking up of Jonathan Taylor through the season uh, eventually, um, and giving Ryan a chance to, to succeed. I won't dismiss the Colts' defense as well, um, and certainly the performances they have played for in the last few weeks have been uh, a great improvement. But to me, it will be more than a step too far. It will be going um, 
against the Cowboys offense and defense that just has too much. Their outfit overall just has too much in this particular game. And it could be a very interesting stretch for the Cowboys playing meaningful primetime games. And we talk all about the openness of the, the um, NFL this season, especially on the NFC side. We've actually talked about the Vikings tonight. We talk about the, uh, the 49ers. We talk about the Eagles, all potential Super Bowl teams. Yes, Cowboys fans, we're talking about ancient history, but 1995 may not be in the rearview mirror for too much longer. Talk about the Dolphins maybe going back. The Cowboys have a really legitimate chance to be the NFC representative at the Super Bowl this year. Uh, and it definitely feels defining uh, a defining year and a history-making year in that particular regard. Um, before we wrap up, anything else from the uh, the parish for the good of the audience to touch on, Brian? Yeah, okay, because we're obviously finishing up on the Cowboys, definitely suggesting Cowboys for the Super Bowl. Um, consistent uh, comments around the Chargers and their, their, their injury concerns. Owen has touched on the fact that, again, players out, we've kind of alluded to it there. Similar kind of feedback again. Chargers missing quite a few players. And uh, anything in particular... Fred has asked about the Ojel Beckham situation, where he is today. He's in New York at the moment with the Giants, and hopefully he stays there. Um, but uh, I think he's due to move on to Buffalo tomorrow, and then obviously he's going to see Dallas on Monday. As we said on Monday's show, his people are absolutely fantastic at marketing a player that's had two ACLs and a, a broken leg. Um, Colin might find this one a bit quirky. Um, Melvin Gordon obviously assigned for the Chiefs <laughs> this week. Um, will he be elevated, and will he be able to hold on to the ball? And um, Owen, again, kind of consistent with our feelings on this game. Not so much that they'll beat the Bengals easy, but we are all in lockstep that the Bengals will find a way, sorry, the Chiefs will find a way to see get past the Bengals come Sunday night. Quite a lot of comments this evening. We thank all the guys that, again, interact with the show. It's great to see the audience uh, throughout the course of the show, and we do our utmost to get as many comments as we possibly can. So we really appreciate all the engagement from everybody this evening. Absolutely, Brian. Brian, nobody's asking about Odell Beckham, especially if he's going on planes. Like, no, no, nobody, nobody is asking. Just as long as he's not getting kicked off planes, I think is the important Fred, thing. Fred is asked. Sorry, Mark. Fred is asked every show. Fred is asked, "What's the situation with Odell Beckham?" Well, and then he continues to give out about the fact that Odell Beckham will go to the Cowboys. Well, uh, Von, Von Miller, um, who is friends with Odell, claims, and cover your ears, Brian, he claims that it is now down to the Bills and the Cowboys. But yes, it is. It is certainly, um, you know, a, 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 a bit of a circus. And I think at this point, um, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. we would like, we'd like it to come to an end. I think, I, think Va, I think Fred has got the, the stick out and is just stirring that pot. And oh, Von Miller is trying to be busy for the Bills in his, during his injury absence at the moment. Joshina jo Anderson, who we all know from doing previous interviews, and is quite a close friend of Odell Beckham, was, um, she was uh, putting out, um, oh, what's the song? It's one of those uh, rap songs about he's coming home this morning. Um, and she was putting it up on YouTube as part of her tweet, essentially said that Odell Beckham is coming to the Giants and that's where he's going to remain. So I think the, should, the, the only just... thing I know about it's coming home comes from Three Lions, and I can assure you that is definitely not coming home it's, in 2022 it's either, it's, it's as well. But finally, actually, Lorca made a great point about the um, 
uh, the Chargers O-line, then there's a lot of injuries along there. Max Crosby, we should call out, is going to be licking his lips uh, this weekend. Colin, before we wrap up, you've one final one, thing? One final uh, thing before we wrap up, because it was interesting, again, came out of Mahomes' appearance on the Kelsey Brothers podcast. Um, we have rightly laughed at my, Matt Nagy and what Matt Nagy got up to with the Bears, but... Matt Nagy played a very significant role in getting Patrick Mahomes to the Chiefs because before um, the he threw in front of Andy Reid, Matt Nagy told him what the plays uh, that were going to be called. So Mahomes was able to study it. So Matt Nagy knew and Matt, Matt Nagy made the right call on that. And Mahomes also revealed that he told the Chiefs that if they wanted to uh, draft him, they were going to have to move up because there were lots of teams interested. And he said they'd have to go up above the 12th pick, certainly. And that is where the Texans ended up taking Deshaun Watson. So it's funny how things work out. But yeah, that, that was some really interesting kind of insights from Mahomes on the podcast. Well, um, you two saying about things moving in mysterious ways, Colm. So uh, certainly some some uh, some of the, the stories behind those mysterious ways. Look, we'll wrap it there for this evening. Um, it's been great uh, spending the time with you guys. Great show uh, to talk through. And, uh, yeah, it's been a long show. So hopefully anybody listening, you've had uh, great enjoyment. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it greatly. We will see you all again on Monday night, wrapping up, obviously, the great weekend of football ahead. But from now, uh, Colm and Brian, I think it's goodbye from us. And it's goodbye yeah. from me. Good night. Goodbye and good night, everyone. Yeah.